Do you ever feel all alone out there running your landscape, hardscape, or outdoor living business? Struggling in silence to grow and scale profitably with fewer employees? Wishing there was a better way to make money in this industry without all the insanely long hours and ridiculously hard work? You're not alone. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. Each week, our tribe comes together to empower business owners to add more profitable services by teaching how to successfully hire and manage subcontractors. Join my inner circle mastermind. Gentlemen, it's time to start winning. For more information, email me, hello at yes.express. Again, it's hello at yes.express. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. Your host, Joshua Gillow. And today I have Larry Van Sand from Sandler Sales Training on. And we go back and forth about different sales tactics and training uh, strategies uh, and also implementation strategies, especially in the construction world, the landscaping, the hardscaping, the outdoor living world. So if that's something you struggle with or you want some great insight and uh, some different tips and tricks, listen in. This is going to be a great conversation for anybody that's struggling with sales or just wants to improve what they're doing now. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today, my guest has been a successful business owner and entrepreneur, professional speaker, and a trainer for over 25 years, delivering keynote addresses, management and sales, communication skills training to small and mid-sized businesses, and even Fortune 500 companies. Um, his expertise uh, can be leveraged to help professionals in just about any industry learn the importance of proven sales systems and focus that focus not just on sales techniques, but on attitudes and reinforcement. Uh, he combines real life problem solving experience with coaching and communication to provide solutions to the day to day challenges faced by salespeople, sales managers, and customer service professionals. He's worked as a VP, uh, then president of Van Sant Inc. and VSI Commercial. And uh, he's also developed sales from uh, $700,000 over $17 million while raising margins and building a new award-winning customer service department. So Larry Van Sant, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Um, it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, I'm excited today because uh, you've been in the sales coaching arena for how many years now? Uh, well, actually, I think uh, as, you're, as an owner of a company, you're always in the sales coaching arena. But uh, yeah, I would say for you know professionally doing it, 14 years. So. That's amazing. So what I'm really excited for today is I know a lot of listeners are in the you know landscaping, outdoor living, hardscaping world, and I know you coach these guys as well uh, through your Sandler training. And I would love to get into some bigger questions. We'll get right into the meat and potatoes here. You know. I know a lot of guys out there now, the world is changing, right? And uh, sales aren't the same as they were a couple of years ago. We hit this amazing COVID bump where, you know, there was just so much work and not enough people. And you just had to show up with a pickup truck and you got the job, right? 
Um, and some guys are still feeling that. Absolutely. And uh, others aren't feeling that. So what I'd love to talk about today is what are some of the top pitfalls that a lot of companies fall into, especially in our sector, uh, that we could be looking for to make sure we're not doing these things. And uh, then how do we fix them? Sure. I mean, we, we see a lot of, uh, in the past year, we've seen a lot of companies that if they had the availability, they would get the job. I mean, exactly what you said. But part of the uh, the issue is having a sales process and having a prospecting process. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to times like we're experiencing now, uh, many people are still waiting to for the phone to ring, and yeah. that's not a that's not a great strategy. Um, I mean, I asked an air conditioning contractor what his strategy was one day. He says, "I hope it's hot this year." Yeah. So. Uh, that that is not a, a great strategy. So, do they have a prospecting strategy? And they tied their marketing uh, together with their their prospecting program. Um, are they you know are they consistently doing something? And are they able to measure it to determine what's working for them and what isn't? Uh, one of the biggest things that um, home improvement contractors or landscapers, developers, hardscape is referrals, and most of them don't ask for it. It's yeah. a very simple. Um, question that you can ask, uh, you ask it, you know, at the close of the sale, but most people don't do it. Uh, when I go out and I'm riding along with someone and I, I see that it's not done and I ask for the referral, I typically get a name. And I think that's one of the things that contractors miss doing. Got it. No, so makes focused sense. on that job that yeah. they're, you know, in closing the sale that they forget the opportunity that um, these people are connected to other people. Absolutely. You know, the funny part is I think that most people in this industry, including myself, we don't start out because we want to be salespeople. We start out because we want to build cool shit, right? (laughs) It's a thing like we want to build really cool stuff. And then we finally have to become a salesperson in order to be able to build said cool stuff. So you mentioned earlier about prospecting and marketing, how they don't have systems for that. Uh, What are some tips or some hints you can give people to starting what that even like, what does that even mean? Let's start there. Then how can we make that more streamlined in our businesses? Well, there's two types of uh, prospecting. Basically there's active and passive prospecting and active prospecting is where you pick up and you're calling the phone or you're leaving a, uh, a business card or you're knocking on the door of four or five people that are adjacent to the project that you're working on. Uh, another aspect of it would be to, uh, you know, get a name, uh, get a list of names in the development and call people and basically talk about what you do and how you do it and get a, uh, have a 30 second commercial of, um, how you're different from other people that are in the industry. The passive, uh, prospecting is you're waiting for the phone to ring. You've sent out mailers and they're coming back to you. The thing of it is, is that so many times our sales, um, our marketing doesn't line up with our, our sales programs. In other words, what makes us different? Why would you want to use me? What do you lose by not using me? Mm-hmm. And and so if we don't if we don't bring those things up, we have to you know people buy emotionally, and so we have to do something that creates the the ability for them to feel something emotionally and say, wow. You know, I really want to, I want to talk to this company, you know, maybe, maybe they're a good fit for us. And, and, you know, people buy and, you know, they make their, their decisions intellectually, but they buy emotionally. They, they are, they have to get emotionally involved. So what makes you different? Um, what, what do you do that is distinguishable 
and it's going to apply to a certain percentage of your clients. And those are the clients that are basically qualified to be your clients. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of uh, landscapers and, and overall home improvement do is that anybody that calls they think is, uh, is eligible to be their client. And that's, that's not right. necessarily true. That's true. Um, I mean, do, do they have, is there a great reason for them to do what they're doing? Is it a, you know, they're at location A and they want to be uh, somewhere else. They want a deck or they want an enclosed area. They want uh, pavers. They want an outdoor design that they can, you know, feel comfortable with. You know, is there an emotional reason there to do it? Do they have a budget that can, you know, that you can work with? And last, how do they make the decision? I always love it when a landscaper, you know, goes in and, and asks the question, okay, so uh, when do you want this done? And they'll say two weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, that's probably a question we should ask. Uh, if we got a six-month backlog, uh, that might be a question we want to ask in the beginning. Uh, for uh, sure. Along with, you know, budgetary questions. You know, what's your investment that you're looking at? If they're looking at $2,000 and you know it's going to cost twenty, dollars uh, are you going to spend time there? What if it's not enough? So we, we basically train people to ask questions to qualify your clients because what we end up doing is unpaid consulting. Yep. Yeah, dude, you nailed it. For the first 15 years of my career, that's what I did. And I'd go out and be like, I'm just going to give them everything I can, my best ideas and all that. And they'd say, thank you. Yeah. And then they would never call back. And I was like, wait a minute here. Something's wrong with this situation. So I would think that, you know, unpaid consulting, you know, we, we have to qualify the clients because yeah. our time isn't free. Yep. Uh, I, I look at it like this. If I close 50% of the time, then 50% of my time I'm not being paid for. So that is, uh, to me, that's a pretty significant issue. And I, I want to reduce that uh, so that I qualify my clients. I'm spending time where, they're, where, where they are going to make an investment for us. Um, the other thing I think uh, that a lot of clients or a lot of our clients do is they never get a clear future. Okay? They, you know, the homeowner gets all the information they want. They get the price, they get the proposal. The only thing that looks the same on the proposal is a dollar sign. So they look at that first uh, and then they go into witness protection program. <laughs> you, you can't find them, you can't catch them. You, you can't, you know, all the technology in the world, you're, you just can't reach them for some yeah. until they need you again. So one of the things we really suggest is, you know, get a clear future. We're gonna go over this. Can I call you next Thursday at nine o'clock? That's a clear future. Yeah. Uh, calling me next week. When? When next week? I yep. got seven days next week, you know, 24 hours a day. You know, what happens uh, yep. if I can't reach you? So if we get a clear future, we specifically set up a time and date. And then I like to ask the question, what happens if you don't answer? Is that a slow no? Uh, should I take it as that? Or do we have to do other things? Uh, should I call you, call someone else, leave a message? What would you like me to do? I like so, that. That's, that's often yeah. uh, an objection that comes up, right? They're like, hey, yeah, yeah, give me a week. <laughs> and then I know in the past, I dropped the ball. I'm like, yeah, I'll call you next week. To your point, it's a lot of time in a week. And now I'm like, nope. It's like, how's next Thursday, four o'clock work for you and your family? And yeah. get them to commit to something because at that point, then they feel like you're actually interested in the project and you want to move it forward. And if that doesn't work for them, I love your point earlier. And it's so true. I know when we first started out in business, we think every single person that calls is a client and that we're failing if we don't get all of them to say yes. And that is such bullshit. 
right now. That is that is wrong. Oh my gosh, it's so it's that, one of the yeah. hardest things is for people, you know, for young people in, in sales is to get a no. Yeah, um, I know when I first went into it, uh, and I was I was not a Sandler trainer at that time, but I was being trained by Sandler, and they said, "Look, no's are okay. Yep. You're not going to close a hundred percent, so get the no's, get a get them out of the way." Yeah, and so I go for the no now. Uh, as soon as I can get the no, I'm on my way to finding a yes. Yeah. So if I get 50, if I'm closing 50%, I'm going to get it. And I call on 10 people, five of them are going to say no, five of them are going to say yes. It's basically doing that behavior. Yeah, exactly. And knowing that it's not that you're broken, sometimes your offer just doesn't fit and that's okay. The goal of any sales system is to shake those out. So you're not wasting that time. You mentioned about 50% of your time where you're closing deals is well invested but the 50% that you didn't close is that free consulting or like I like to call it is stealing from your family and stealing from your business because now you're not working on your business or spending time with your family. You're out there giving away everything. So coming up with this system. So I would love to talk to you deeper about the value of having sales systems in a business and someone out there listening where they might even start if they wanted to starting, you know, integrating a sales system. Like how would that look in, in most people's construction business? Sure. Um, well, a system provides us um, with the ability to be more efficient and more effective. Uh-huh. It's repeatable. So if it's working, we continue to repeat it. Uh, if it's not working, we can adjust it. Uh, so it, it basically makes us more efficient. Our particular system is based on really seven steps that we go through. Uh, we feel like people like to buy from people who they like and trust and people trust people who are like themselves. So we have to bond and rapport. And sometimes you have to be a chameleon in order to, um, for an hour or two hours that you're in front of a client in order to communicate properly with them. And it's our job to communicate with them. Number two would be, you know, doing an upfront contract and an upfront contract is what's going to happen during this, this meeting, what the goal is, what their questions may be, what our questions may be. Um, the, the problem with not having an agreement up front is that, first of all, people would rather be buying than be sold, and they uh-huh. think they're going to be sold. Uh, secondly, they're looking for a hard press. If you do an upfront contract and say, look, if I don't fit, I'm okay with that. Just let me know. If you don't think I'm a good fit for you, I am okay with it. You give them permission to l- let you go. Yes. But at the same time, you've also lowered their defenses. Mm-hmm. So then we look at, do they have what we call pain and the emotional compelling reason to do something different? Uh, when we were looking at our hardscape project that we did, we were we were just absolutely hated to walk outside because our, our yard was such a mess. Emotionally, mm-hmm. it made me sick. And the emotional reason was I couldn't have anybody over because it looked like crap. Yep. So, you know, we made the decision to invest in that because of the compelling reason that we just hated it. It was, yeah. it was all about that. It, and, and it was going to add value to our home. So then we talk about budget. If people don't have a budget or the budget's not enough, isn't it better to find out uh, up front if you have a budget or not? And if, what happens if that's not enough? 
And of course, then we look at how they make the decision. And I, I always love it uh, when I would go on a call and I said, well, how do you make your decision? Oh, we're getting six estimates and we're going to pick the cheapest one. <laughs> well, if I'm not the cheapest guy in town, that might not be the, um, the, the, the best decision process for my company. That's right. Or for me personally. So what I end up doing then at that particular point in time is asking some questions to determine, is that the only thing that's important to them is price? In other words, is how it's being put down, is referrals um, you know, or, or previous work done or experience or warranty or, you know, or the product that we're using. Is, is there anything else? You know, maybe they, maybe some of the people have background checks and they have young kids. Do they want, you know, we, we need to bring these things up. And if this, if none of those things are important to them and we do them all, are we a good fit? No. Are they a good fit for us? Absolutely not. So we're over, you know, we're, we're, it's not, it's not a great thing. And then the other thing that uh, I think that we do really well at this process is that I like to ask the question, if I gave you a $100 bill or a $101 bills, which one's more impactful? It's a $100 bill. Wouldn't it be? It's more impactful. I mean, it's $100. Yep. Even though they're valued the same. But if we answer every question as we go along, we have nothing to propose when we're done. If we give them our ideas, we've done unpaid consulting. So... When we're ready to make a presentation, we get a clear future about what's going to happen. And at the same time, we're also asking them, are, are they prepared to make a decision as far as moving forward or not, or next steps? Is he, so many uh, landscapers feel like their, their time is free, but there's a cost of the presentation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that, that cost is a decision. That's what we're asking for. I love that. That's so good. And then I, I love this step that we have. It's called post-sell. A post-sell step. And, and basically that is buyer's remorse. Tomorrow they call you and they change their mind. Or somebody else has called them and they say, well, I'll do it cheaper. Yeah. So how do you overcome buyer's remorse? You have a conversation prior to leaving because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen when you leave. Yep. So you need to know what's, what can happen. How do we prevent this? And how do we eliminate this? Psychologically, our process allows them to get into a point where they close the file. They're ready to move forward with you. I love it. You mentioned budget earlier. I know that's something that we work a lot with our, our you know, students on, and I know you guys do as well. Is there any tips or tricks you have in your arsenal, uh, secret sauce, if you will, that helps uh, contractors get budget from clients? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, some people are very abrupt with it. So most people have a budget, what's yours? And that's not the typical nope. way that we do it. <laughs> nope. So we ask, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people have budgets for this. Have you considered that? And they said, no. So you know, my suggestion is that I love where we can bracket and say, well, we're going to be between A and B, depending on the options you have. And A, being on the low side, is going to be in the middle of where I want to be. Uh, and, and B is going to be on the high side of things. And I think that if you give a bracket and they say, well, you're in the range, so now we have to narrow it down. Am I in Texas or am I in Rhode Island? Yeah. So where are we closer at? Where are you comfortable at? 
because everyone has a number. Uh, we asked a question the other day about how many of you would spend um, $700 on tennis shoes. And we had about three people raise their hands and the others looked at them like they were crazy. The thing of it is, is that we all have a number when we go in and we may not know what it is, but we know what it isn't. Yeah. So when we go in into a store and we pick up a shirt that we like, or we go to look at a car and we pick out the car we like, but it's $15,000 higher than what our budget is. That's the number that we're not going to go over. Yeah. So our job is to find the number, find the number that they're comfortable with. Yeah. And, and you have to do that through questioning and body language, basically watch their reaction to it. Yeah. I mean, most people, they have no idea except they, they go online and that's the dangerous part. Many times we come into the sales process when they're ready to make a decision and they've got their number off the, um, off of the internet. So yeah. it's $2 a square foot. Well, you know, or it's, you know, they look at cabinets and, uh, and Lowe's and the Lowe's can put, put them in for $58 a, a cabinet that those are unrealistic and they're really not true numbers. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's where the people have their, have their mindset and so many of them get their information there. So how do we overcome that? And that basically is, we're probably not a good fit at, you know, at that number. Uh, yeah. We really can't do the project. We'd love to do it for you, but we can't. Uh, another thing with budget is sometimes getting steps. In other words, maybe getting a design agreement uh, for the, the patio so that you, if they agree to that design agreement, uh, at least we're, we're moving forward on the opportunity to close the sale. So here's a design agreement. It's going to run you $2,000 at the end. This is, you know, you'll own it, but the bottom line is we'll take that away if you put it in, you know, if we put it in the process for you. And so typically that's a, a another uh, a way to get to the budget. Cool. Well, that's, it's such an important conversation to have and to, because nobody really wants to have it, right? The clients, their number. They may have it deep down, but oftentimes they can't pull that up right away. Or they kind of like, no, I don't want to spend a hundred grand on this, but I don't know, somewhere in between. They don't want to be taken advantage of. They don't want to overinvest in their homes. So there's all of these factors playing into that consideration. And I've seen it so many times where clients have a certain number in mind. And once they start seeing the value that could be brought, you know, to your point of not loving your backyard and not wanting to entertain, when they started to say, well, maybe if we did this patio and we put a little fireplace next to it, my, my guests would enjoy it even more. And so would we, and they start adding to this idea. Um, some people do because they start to see that problem, you know, dissolving and they start to see an opportunity, uh, awake from the, you know, from this, the conversation. So it's really, it's so much of it, it's guidance. It's not about, you know, trying to do anything more than that, but people are willing to adjust their numbers based on what value they're going to get at the end of it all. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing I think that we we miss out on a lot is that we we throw these numbers out, but sometimes it's more advantageous for us to do a monthly number uh, rather than, you know, you know, could we do, could you, would you be comfortable with spending 1500 a month mm -hmm. for the next five years on this yeah. um, project? 
uh, or would you, you know, would you be willing to do the projects in phases? Uh, so many times we, we look at the whole thing and we walk away from something that we had the opportunity to do and they wanted us to do it, but we just didn't come up with a creative way of how to get it done. Ugh. So maybe I put the plants and shrubs in later, but I do the hard pay, you know, the hardscape now. Um, maybe I build the, uh, the fire pit a little later, but regardless of what we're, we're looking at, uh, I mean, when you're looking at these things, you have lighting, you have landscape, uh, you have hardscape, you have all of these things that, that can I work in phases to help this person achieve this level and get what they want. And we, we miss that sometimes because we're looking at the big picture we're looking at the project and we're not considering other opportunities. I mean, when you look at spending $100,000 on a hardscape project, that's a pretty big investment. And so if they can spread it over two or three years, what do you care as long as you have the opportunity to do it? No, exactly. And you show them a path to solving their problem, right? And to your yes. point, having different ways to buy it is important or going to the phasing or even offering different design options, right? That is an important piece right now. If you give them one option, and they look at it and they don't like it, they're screwed. They, you, you potentially lost trust. It's possible. Or right. you're wasting time by giving them multiple options at the same time. It gives them the choice, right? Choices. It gives them the choice to say, I like, I don't like. They have more control over their future. So I believe that that's a better way we've instituted that. It's been an incredible shift in how people are receiving design work. Well, and I think that the the other thing is, is that you have to really, our, our knowledge, you know, sales is about finding finding the truth. It's to an adult and adult conversation, finding the truth. And so what, when we're looking at a, a hardscape project and we're looking at and then talking to a client, I think one of the things that we, we make mistakes in is we do not ask enough questions to find out what is important to that client. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe lighting is more important to them than, um, the, the hardscape or maybe the, 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 the shrubs and the plants are, are more important. We, we don't know, but we need to find out because that's what they're going to be looking for. Yeah. That's what is emotional and important to them. And that's the compelling reason for them to do something different. Um, and when we, our knowledge about our product is great. We have to have the knowledge. But our value as a salesperson is, is more important when we learn about our client, what we learn about our client. Because as we learn, we can basically figure out if we can solve their problem and create the emotional situation that they're looking for. That aha moment when they, when they walk out and they can strategically and visualize the, the aspect of, of what we've created for them. How do you help people or how do you train people? I should say that your students to be able to uncover some of those emotional triggers. I know when I first started, it wasn't about emotion. It was like, what do you want? I can build it. Here's the price. Let's go. Right. Make it nice and simple. But how do you guys, um, how do you guys open people up emotionally? Like what kind of questions are you asking in order to get to that? Because it's really, you know, listeners out there, it's not that they want a new patio. They don't want rocks in their backyard. They don't want any of them. They don't want just trees. They're looking for those things to provide a solution for them. Right. Uh, low maintenance or whatever it might be, or a place like Larry mentioned earlier to, to be proud of that you can bring friends and guests back to and to be proud of your, what you've done and the success of your life. 
and to offer a space that can be used. So, you know, it's not most of the time, it's not about having more pavers or concrete in the backyard. It's about solving a bigger problem. So how do you unlock that with clients? What is your strategy? That's a great question because the problem that the client brings you is never the real problem. All right. So if they say, you know, I, I, I love to use this analogy. Uh, my air conditioner's broke. Do I have the same amount of pain, which is the emotional reason to buy something or change something? Do I have the, the same pain at 100 degrees that I do at 60? Help. So we have to understand that impact is the key to the emotion. What is the impact? What is the impact of not doing it versus the impact of doing it? Uh, is there is there an ROI? One of the things we were talking about previously was budget. Uh, we always use the term investment uh, for you know patios, things of that nature, because it is an investment. That's right. You know, I might be moving my money, but I'm not losing my money. I'm moving my money from one category to another category, and I think we we lose that. We say this is a cost. I've heard that so many times. Yep. Um, the other thing is, is we asked. We, we have to be very vigilant at asking questions and listening. I think that sales today, active listening is probably one of the most critical things because when people say I'm, I'm frustrated or I'm embarrassed, then tell me a little bit more about that. And we yeah. have what we call a pain funnel that we go down, you know, Tell me about that. Well, you know, my daughter's having, uh, is graduating and I'm embarrassed to have the family over. I need to have this taken care of, right? What happens if you don't get this taken care of? Oh my God, it would be so embarrassing. You know, yeah. so we go down a funnel by asking questions and saying, okay, at this particular point, are you ready to make, are you ready to do something different? And, uh, you know, there may be several reasons that people are looking for you know, hardscape, it could be appearance, it could be entertainment. Um, you know, we see, you know, it may be security, uh, maybe additional place for, uh, the, you know, for the, uh, family to play or kids, uh, to, to be safe. Uh, so we, we have a number of, of things that number of reasons added value to the home, uh, you know, just drainage is another area. Uh, you know, it's wet all the time. I mean, we, we see all of these things and we don't use those. We, we, we just sort of assume that they know what we're going to do without asking questions. So is a warranty important to you? Well, if it's not important, they say, no, not really. So you don't care if it's, you know, if you have problems in two or three years. No, but if it is important, then we've created a discovery question. And if we use a discovery question and they say, yeah, warranty is real important. Okay, now find out how important it is. How significant is that to you? What are you looking for? So when we look at this, this is how we, we go down a funnel to find impact and importance. And I call it scope, significance, and priorities. So what is the scope? What is significance? What's the priority of doing this? And how does that help us achieve your goals? Yeah, it's important, man, because just like you said, if with the air conditioner, it's a very different conversation, whether it's 60 outside or 100 outside, and they've got a party or no party coming, and you know, and it's not really the air conditioner that they're worried about, it's the cool air that they don't get, right? So it's really a matter yeah. of you know finding the bigger reason 
for why they're doing, especially outdoor living, because they can, let's face it, it's, it's a nice to have. You don't need this to survive. It's not food. It's not air. It's not shelter. This is in addition to those things. So now we have to figure out, is it status? Is it, hey, look, I've got this. Is it comfort for the family? Is it, you know, we see a lot with elders, especially that are, you know, they're empty nesters and they want the kids and the grandkids to come back. So they want the cool spot that they, they, everyone will come back and reconnect. And that's, right. you know, a lot of time that's the motivational piece. Um, sometimes with busy families, it's just a place that they can leave their phones in the house and go outside and just get away from everything and not have to drive everywhere. So there's so many different emotional connections to why people do these kinds of projects. It's really a matter of, to your point, discovering what that is and then taking your solution and fitting it into it or not. It's okay to get a no. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that we, uh, as salespeople tend to be mind readers. We, we think we know, okay, they want a hardscape project. Yeah. Well, do, do they all want it for the same reason? I mean, we're putting the same product down, but do they yeah. want it for the same reason? We might have a design difference, but we don't understand. We don't ask those questions to find out what's really important to them. And they don't know what they don't know. And, you know, maybe they want a, a fireplace. Maybe they spend a lot of time outside in the, in the fall and winter months and they're looking for a fireplace or a fire pit. Um, we've had them where they're looking for a brick oven outside. Um, they're looking for an outdoor kitchen outside. They, they, they love to, uh, to entertain. The thing of it is we don't know why, but as soon as we hear outdoor kitchen, we think, oh yeah, this is great. Okay. I've got this. Yeah. And we start on features and benefits Yep, yep. rather than figuring out, okay, why do you want an outdoor kitchen? How do you plan on using it? What happens if you don't get it? Um, what's the priority of it? What's the significance to you? How are you going to feel when it's done? Uh, what's important as far as how it's being built? Uh, you know, is warranty important? Is the product important? Is, uh, you know, is doing uh, that we've done 50 outdoor kitchens important to you or would you rather this be the first one? So there are so many things that, that we look at that we mind read. We don't think about what the customer is looking for or why they're looking for it. And the why becomes very impactful. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, it's very impactful because people buy for their reasons, not ours. So and true. So if we can discover the reason that they buy and what is important to them, we have a greater chance of closing. Yeah. A much greater chance of closing. Especially if yeah. we just start scribbling down, okay, it's this much per square foot. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to impact them. Especially when you mentioned earlier about, you know, sales being finding the truth. And the truth is when it comes to that, uh, you know, the outdoor kitchen, they may just want a simple grill. You know, and if that's we're it. thinking like, hey, every time we have this one package that's, you know, $30,000 and great, they want that. Has a refrigerator, a sink, it has a 40 inch grill, it has a this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, we don't want all of that. We just want a simple grill. Or the other side is like, no, we entertain constantly. We want to have all kinds of bar seating. We want heaters over top of this thing. We want two refrigerators. We want two sinks. And if we're going into your point saying, uh, well, you know, I already know what they want. Why have that conversation? You're wrong 99% of the time. So why not ask great questions like Larry's saying, start peeling it back and say, okay, what does the perfect outdoor kitchen look like to you? And let them yeah. fill in the blanks. Give them the paintbrushes. They're going to paint it, the whole picture for you. And you say, fine, cool. Let's design that and build that now. And you brought up a great point. They're painting the picture. Yeah. You're not the one that's painting that picture. Don't no. paint on their picture. 
don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you will be yeah. wrong most absolutely. of the time. It's the wrong color absolutely. just about every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're you're so right. I mean, asking the questions of why you're looking for this, what you're going to do, how frequently you're going to use it. Yeah. And and being able to understand the priority of that. Uh, maybe if we can't provide that feature, maybe that's something that's really not important to them. Yeah. But here's one of the problems. If we give them everything they want without finding out the budget, uh-huh. and let's just say their budget is 50000 and our price came out at eighty five, they're going to ask you to discount because they don't want to give up anything. Yeah. You, they, you, you've sold them on everything. You've sold them already. So one of the things that we really stress is that, okay, find out what's important to them. What could they live without? What is a must-have and a like-to-have? Yeah. All right. What makes us different? Is that important to them? You know, our, I think that one of the things that every contractor should have is a unique selling proposition. What do we bring to the table that others don't? Yeah. Why do people buy from us? Yep. And our sales team rarely knows what that unique selling proposition is. Um, people, we, we answer questions and we have no, re- no understanding of why they ask. They may say, how many years have you been doing this? You know, if I'm a new salesperson, I say one year, they may in their mind say, that's enough. Yeah. I, you're, you're not, you're not going to work on my project. Yep, Exactly. Uh, but if we find out why they ask that question, or do you cook kitchens and uh, do, do you, have you ever done outdoor kitchens? And we say, oh yeah, we've done hundreds of them. Well, maybe that's great or maybe it's not. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. We're looking for them to figure out why they ask the question. So listening is a great skill and, and asking questions to figure out why they ask that question. Because if they ask the question, it's important to oh, them. for sure. And and you you mentioned this a little earlier about being a great listener, right? And listening for their words. You know, if a client is explaining to you that they want to raise terrace that they can sit out on and read a book on a sunny afternoon, and you say, Oh, you want a deck, that they're not the same, right? And you're like, Well, yeah, of course it's a deck. We know that as as builders, as designers, that's what it is. But you know, that's not the words that they chose out of the millions of words they could have chose. They chose those words to describe the picture in their head. And then you simplify it to say deck. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's not really what I want. And if you would listen and said, oh, you're looking for it. It's okay. So let me see if I got that right. You're looking for a terrace that you can sit out and read a book on a sunny afternoon. Did I get that right? Just listening will get you so much further than trying to say, all right, deck, got it. What else do you want? <laughs> you know, when you're moving through this project, like it's, it's a, a punch list. And like, no, I'm going to invest good money. I've been thinking about this for years. They have this vision of them being relaxed, reading this book. If you don't get that and you change their words on them, it could be curtains for you. Oh, absolutely. And we've seen it with, uh, we had a client that when they asked, they they came out and first they wanted a a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, then as we just went down the line, they said, well, we probably won't use it a lot, even though we're putting it on. And we said, well, you know, no one asked the question why. So I asked the question why. Why wouldn't you be using it? And said, well, we we got really sick from a mosquito bite Ugh. years ago. And and you know, we're looking we're we're looking for something that that I'm just afraid to come out, is what they said. You know, we we just afraid to come out. I don't want to get it again. 
So when we look at these things, what's the options? Have you considered a pergola? Have you considered a, a you know a self closing pergola that can have screens that go down, or have you considered a uh, uh, an enclosed porch from that standpoint, or yeah. an enclosed deck? And and all of a sudden the budget goes up because they're going to get more use out of it, yes. and instead of buying something that they're not going to use, now they have an opportunity, but without asking the question. Yeah. You know, how do you plan on using it? Well, not a whole lot. Why is that? You're building a, a beautiful deck. Why wouldn't you want to use it? Well, now we have a problem. How long did that last? What happened? And let them get emotional about, my God, I'm, I'm scared to death to go out there. Suppose we have a solution to that. Yeah. There you go. That's that's a ticket right there. I remember a client very clearly years ago that uh, they they had a beautiful home and a slab of concrete behind the house that was raised off the ground by about two feet, right? And it was just gone to, you know, it's getting nasty, mossy, just, it's not in bad shape. It just didn't look good. And they called us and they said, hey, you know, we really like to do something nice back here in the backyard and, and uh, we'd love to have you come out and kind of reimagine what it looks like. And so we start, started asking like, well, what's wrong with what you have right now, right? And they're like, well, it just looks bad out of the house. And I said, well, how often do you think you'd use this new space? And, you know, what kind of entertainment will you do? And just start asking bigger questions. And the next thing you know, they're like, well, to be honest with you, we're only doing it because we don't want it to look as bad as it is now. We're never going to use this thing. We're never going to walk outside. We just want people to come to our house and look out back. We don't want to be ashamed of what it looks like, but we don't plan on using it. I'm shaking my head. I'm like, okay, then why don't you just take it off and just make it grass? You know what I mean? So it's like, right. why, why do anything that's because you're going to spend at least six figures to do what you're talking about you know, just to make this nicer the way we've talked about it. And you're never going to use it. So we've told many clients, we've worked over the years and said, okay, not in this exact situation, but you know, when they're asking for features and functions to a space, we say, well, how, how often do you think you'll use it? And I said, well, maybe once a year, like say fire pit, for instance, maybe once a year we'll use that fire pit. So do you think it's worth investing $5,000 in a fire pit and a whole patio around that fire pit that you're going to use once a year? Or do you think you get more value by putting that patio in and having a movable fire pit you can set there or a little piece of furniture that you can use as a fire pit? That'll cost you only $2,000 and you can, uh, you know, have more flexibility and use that space for more than one thing. What do you think? Next thing you know, they're like, well, I don't want to build in $5,000 fire pit to use once a year. I'll do the portable for 2000 and I can use that as a dining space later. Like to start thinking about what's possible. So we tell our clients often, like, have you thought through this fully? We're here to guide you. And the crazy part, Larry, and listeners out there, you'll get this too, is when you start helping people like that, saving them from making decisions that are going to haunt them for years to come. The next thing you know, they're like, well, you know what? Uh, we thought about doing this in phases. We won't be able to do it all at once now. Or they say, you know what? We actually were really thinking about a fireplace and I know we'll use that a lot more. So that $2,000 or in this case, $3,000 for the difference of the fire pit cost turned into a $30,000 fire pit or fireplace. You know, so because they trust the fact that you're there trying to help them and not trying to take advantage of them and say, yep, we do fire pits, done. Where do you want it? Done. Okay, you do want a hardscape? Done. They want guidance. They want help. That's what a salesperson does. It helps them to the truth, to the best solution for them. Exactly right. I mean, one of the questions that we ask uh, all, of our, all of our clients that we're going through training is, what is the difference between a vendor and a trusted advisor? Because a trusted advisor ends up with larger tickets, higher closing ratios, yep. happier clients uh, versus the vendor who is out there just writing an estimate and doesn't care whether it satisfies them at the end or not. 
And and that is a uh, that's an extremely important aspect of getting additional referrals as well. Yeah. So you know, well, they put it in; it looks good, but I don't know. I'm just not happy with it. Okay. Uh, and and how many times have you heard that over the years? Uh, oh, yeah. How many times have you changed a um, a patio area just because somebody else put it in? They lived with it for a few years and then they got rid of it. Yeah. Um, because they made a mistake. We made a terrible mistake. This isn't what we wanted. So exactly. And there's nothing worse. You know, if you're going out there, you're solving problems for people and helping out and guiding them for them to get the wrong thing at the end. Right. It's that, that's there, on us. That's on us. There's, there's the thing I've, you know, I really emphasize to our clients, you're not selling patios. Uh-uh. You're not selling decking. You're not selling, uh, you know, enclosed rooms enclosed porches you're 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 selling solutions to the homeowner for an issue that they want and whether that issue is cosmetic uh or it's drainage or it's function or it's for entertaining we don't know but there's a reason they called we need to find the reason the compelling reason and in order to distinguish ourselves from everyone else because everyone sells pavers you know, you can go get them. Uh, it, it's not you know, a unique product, so we can go. But being able to install them correctly, warranty them, and having it designed so that the the you know the it functions, it flows, and it doesn't create additional problems, then that's when you become the trusted advisor because you're solution based. Uh-huh. We're doing this because you'll have a runoff here. And that's not going to be good for you. Okay. We're doing this. We're, we're eliminating issues that you don't know about because they don't know what they don't know. That's right. That's right. That's so important, Larry. I I love this kind of conversations because it's, it's, it took me way too long to realize these things. And I hope the listeners out there are realizing, you know, how many years together we're, you know, be able to unpack these things that we've seen, learned and taught throughout the years. Um, I have another question for you. One last question here is, what is the number one thing you think is holding most salespeople back, especially in the construction world? Like, what do you think is the number one thing holding them back from doing better and being able to, to uh, you know, do even more work for their clients? Well, we have what we call a success triangle. And our success triangle is based on three things. Attitude, behavior, and technique. If I have the, the right attitude, then... Am I committed to do the behavior I need to do? Ask the questions, take the time, learn what's important to our client. And do I have the ability, do I have the technique to communicate? I think if you look at those three things, we all have one area of weakness. It may be our attitude. I'm never going to sell this. Uh, or, you know, I don't know why I even do this. Well, that attitude, we're, we're 100% in control of our attitude. That's the only thing I have control of. That's right. But if I have an attitude that I want to lose weight and I eat that 500 Twinkies, that's probably not going to happen. That's right. Uh, so am I committed to do the behavior? And that means follow up with the calls, you know, make the call, spend the time with the client, qualify the client. Um, prospect, ask for referrals, and then go over and do I have the technique? Do I have, what is my goal for the sales call? So many people go into a sales call and they're looking, I'm going to close this. 
the goal is to move the sale forward. Yes. You know, it, it may take three times. It may take five meetings. It may take one, but the goal is to sell it. So I would say that the, the number, you know, if you look at those three things, attitude is the most dangerous. It's the most dangerous because if you get in a funk and we could all get in a sales funk, how do I get out of it? And if I don't pull myself out or have a positive attitude, just think about it. Have you ever met a salesman? Well, yeah, I'm, you know, it's going to be a lot of money. Um, I don't know if you really want this or not. I mean, they're looking at it uh, yeah. from, from the standpoint of them versus the client. I mean, I'm depressed by the time they leave. <laughs> I don't want to spend any money with them. Yeah, exactly. So I think attitude is at the top of the success triangle. And we have to foremost have a great attitude about, I can do this. I'm okay with a no. I'm going to be doing it in the best interest of the client. And then doing your behaviors and figuring out a, a sales process and a technique, the strategy and tactics that you use to help the client move forward. I love that. So true. So true. That's the one piece you can control, right? Is your own attitude and your own the way you see things. That's the only piece of the puzzle. Now you mentioned follow-up uh, as a bonus here. Uh, do you have a certain strategy or thought for people after they've gone through a sales process to how often or, or how they should touch it base with clients is one, two, three touches good. Or are we talking follow-up? You know, they go into like, I'm trying to get away from you. Like, where's that line? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I believe, and this is my, my personal experience as well as, uh, you know, working with clients over the year is that it's really important for us to have uh, an agreement up front of what's going to happen mm -hmm. once we review the proposal. A lot of people are type S personalities and they want to think about it. Uh, that was the things that I just hated the most. Oh, I need to think about it. Yeah. Oh my God, what is to think about? What's going to change next week? But the, the fact of the matter is it's not me making the decision, it's them. So are we, yeah, can we call you? Can we set up a call next week? nine o'clock Wednesday morning. And at that time, can we figure out if we're going to be moving forward or not? Um, unless there's additional questions, we basically follow up with that clear future on Wednesday morning at nine. And then if they say, you know, we're really, we're not decided. And it says, well, it sounds to me like you're just not committed to this project at this time. So if I pull it back like that, and I'm going to either find out, yes, that's true, or no, it's just I'm waiting for more, one more price. We, we need to find out what that is. And, and by using what we call a negative reverse, we can pull that back and say, it sounds to me like you're really not interested in getting this done at this time. Is, is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? And that's when you're going to find the truth. Yeah. And the truth is going to be, well, no, I'm actually, I'm waiting for one more price because they don't, they still need you at this point. Yeah. Traditional salespeople, um, give them the, uh, give it to them and they don't have a clear future. And then they go into aerobic workout and the, and the clients are in the witness protection program. <laughs> We're chasing them and they're hiding. Yeah. So it's not a great combination. So why not figure it out now? And if they're saying, well, look, you know, contact me in three weeks. The, the question is going to be, what happens in three weeks? What is changing? Yeah. Because am I being pushed off? And we talk about burning the bridge of hope. 
And if you, you know, the burning bridge of hope is, look, hope is not a, a strategy. Nope. Yeah. So I'm looking for a yes or a no or a next step. What do you need from me to move forward with this? Um, the other thing is, I think that at, at the end of a sale, when we're at the end of the presentation, it's a great time to take the temperature and saying a scale on a one to 10, where are we at? And if they're at a seven, what do we need to do to get to the 10? If they're at a five, it's probably over. Yeah, so yeah for sure. Hope is over so, at that point. <laughs> so a couple of points there that I yeah. think can help them. Yeah. Appreciate that, Larry. So Larry, people, I appreciate everything you've said today. It's been a great conversation. Uh, if people want to reach out to you for the services you provide, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, my email is uh, larry.dansant, B-A-N-S-A-N-T, at Sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R.com. We're a Sandler franchise. We uh, have over 250 offices throughout the United States and uh, other countries as well, and number one in, in sales training. So we, we'd love to have you uh, as clients or help you in any way we can. So I certainly appreciate that, Larry. And did you have any last parting words for our listeners and, and the, you know, the ones of sales guys out there that are struggling or just trying to figure this whole sales thing out because they love to build stuff, but the whole communication thing can be a little struggle at a time? Absolutely. Um, I think basically step back and look, do you have a process? Is it working? And if it's not, what, where is it not working at? And by getting appointments and not closing, uh, am I getting appointments and not getting presentations? Start looking at where you need to strengthen and and focus on that. There's a lot of good information out there that's free. We have a lot of information on our website uh, that you can get. But look, start start looking at improving your opportunities by educating yourself on areas that that you're having problems with. Well, makes perfect sense, man. Well, listeners out there, thank you for joining us this week. And Larry, thank you for your time and your your insight. It's been very good. I've been very much enjoying this. I hope you guys got a lot from this episode. And um, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you.